Welcome to Dead Folks Tales, a New Orleans-centric podcast exploring Southern Gothic stories, history, and hauntings with your host, paranormal and fantasy author, Nola Nash. Find out more at nolanash.com. Now, let's talk about dead people. And oh, so many dead people to talk about today. Um, I'm here once more with my very dear friend, Willa Limachant, who is currently in New Orleans and is a psychic medium in New Orleans. She's had so much experience with the dead for years and years, her whole life. My whole life. Um, but your whole life. And last week we talked about just our own adventures together. And this week... We are talking about adventures we've had separately, but at the same place. And if you're in South Louisiana, of course, you know, the plantations are the places to go. I mean, they're beautiful, so full of history, the good, the bad, the ugly. But one of the ones that you need to go a little further north to find into the St. Francisville area, which is just outside of Baton Rouge, is the Myrtles Plantation. And October is the time to go. The Myrtles Plantation has long been recognized as one of America's most haunted houses, oftentimes at the very top of that list, and for good reason. So, Willow, you went with an interesting group. I'll talk about my experience later, but Willow, your your group of folks were not quite what you would expect to just have on a tour of a plantation. Who did you go with? Um, I went with the vampires of the Sabretooth clan <laughs> who were here in New Orleans for Endless Night in 2019. It was very and interesting. Yes. For those who don't know, what is en Endless Night? I know what it is. What, what are, what, well, what, how do you endless, explain it? Endless Night is Endless Night Vampire Ball. It is the largest gathering of vampires around the world in one spot. And literally, they come from all over the world. I have made lots of friends from all over, everywhere. Germany and uh, Italy and France. And it's awesome. Um, and of course, you know, places like St. Louis, too. I mean, because <laughs> that was the group that I was with. <laughs> I mean, St. Louis. Vampires and, from Missouri. Um, Let's just go. Yeah, they're <laughs> everywhere. You never know mm -hmm. who you might be running into. <laughs> But you never um, know. so we went, you know, all decked out as vampires and we, you know, invaded the myrtles. <laughs> <laughs> now that had to have been a lot of fun for the tour guide, first of all, to kind of see the vampires coming to yes. take the myrtles tour. <laughs> yeah, they, of course, they all had to have their photos taken with us. It was really funny. Yeah, it was great. I love it. Now, I want to have you on another night to talk about vampire culture in, in New Orleans, where it came from, the Casket Girls, you know, all of that, kind of how that grew over time. So I absolutely want to have you on another time for the vampire show, just because that's something, you know, we know a lot about that we've seen as a culture and interview with a vampire, you know, that all of these great vampire stories that actually start in New Orleans. So vampire yeah. culture goes way back, hence Endless Night being a big deal in in New yeah. Orleans. But you don't necessarily expect them at the Myrtles. Now you went no. on a tour. Yeah. You went we on a did. tour of the house during the day. Let's let's see. I'm gonna 
for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you're going to have to go back and, and watch the video cast just to actually check this out. The Myrtles is one of the most beautiful homes. It is not one of those, you know, towering two-story, you know, with the big columns in the front, like you would imagine, you know, Oak Alley and you have some of these. It is, it is a lower you know, lower profile house, kind of wider, almost almost gives a feel of the, the 1970s ranch house, only way prettier. So it's it's a different style. It has a little bit more of that Acadian look to it than it would have, um, you know, the big kind of Georgian look to it. And I know I'm not using those architectural terms correctly. So folks in the comments, straighten me out, please. I need it. But this is the Myrtles from the front. Now, my experience with the Myrtles goes way, way back when I was a kid. And it was actually the other side of the house. And we'll show you the other side of the house here in a little bit. And my experience, one of my creepiest experiences happened on the back side of the house. But this is the Myrtles as you approach the house. And you go in the front door and that is where your tour starts. And the tour is a really interesting tour. And it it is full of, shall we say, colorful embellishments of the truth. <laughs> but we love them. We love them yeah. and we wouldn't have it any other way. And I love those stories because when I was, oh gosh, probably about 15, 16 years old, maybe a little younger, that's when I did the last tour that I did of this of the Myrtles Plantation. And I was not taking the tour. I was part of the tour. In October, our theater troupe reenacted the legends of the Myrtles. And the most terrifying part, I guess, for me was the fact that I was wearing a very expensive, very antique nightgown. I was one of the little girls that was said to have been murdered there. And my job and the other little girl that was with me was our job was to run through the house and terrify people and peek in through the windows and things. But I was wearing a Victorian nightgown. I was terrified that I was going to ruin it. So I don't know what was more frightening, the house itself and the creepiness or the fact that I was responsible as a young teenager of keeping this very old, very expensive nightgown in, in one piece. It was terrifying. That in itself was terrifying. But some of the stories, and they, they tend to start right there in the front, because one of the stories takes place on the, the front staircase. And you know, someone apparently died there on the 17th step. He was shot on the porch. He stumbles in, calls for his wife, Sarah, and dies on the 17th step. And there is blood that shows up through the carpet. No matter how many times those stairs are recarpeted, the blood shows up there. But we like that story. My dad got to play the guy that died on the step. It was, fun. It was a whole lot of fun. However, <laughs> he didn't actually die on the step. <laughs> so take this story for fun. There is apparently some staining that continues to happen on those steps. And that step always creaks. No matter how many times they fix it, it will creak. But that's not the real story. But again, do we really care <laughs> about what the historical accuracy is? No. Hmm. You and I were talking before the show about how we don't necessarily need the legend to understand and to recognize how haunted this house is. Take the fiction, take the truth. Either one of those things is terrifying enough. And I, I read somewhere that someone said, why even bother with the fiction that has grown up around it when the reality of the house's history and hauntings is bad enough. 
why yeah. did they feel the need to write, you know, to come up with these colorful stories? And I think they evolved over time. But yeah. you had an experience at the house because you, you were taking the tour with a slightly different approach than right. everyone else that was with there, that was with you at the time. So tell me a little yeah. bit about how you experienced the tour at the Myrtles. Okay. So first off, during that time period, I was still also a tour company owner and tour guide. So I always had the mindset, oh, stand in the back, let all the tourists have the fun, let them, you know, I'm listening to the stories, but I know their stories and I'm standing back. So I'm in the dining room area, which is the back of the house where you might yep. see the rocking chairs later on. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing near one of the big windows that has these really heavy drapes. And honestly, my people, my group, was on the other side of the room. They weren't next to me. That's why I felt this was an odd thing. So I'm looking, you know, all of a sudden I get a tap, 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 three taps on my shoulder, on my right shoulder. And I'm like, I immediately look to my right thinking it was another tourist, thinking somebody was trying to get my attention. Well, they were trying to get my attention, but there was nobody there. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> I'm like, that well, hello, what? how are you? I don't know who you are. Enjoying the tour. Yeah, <laughs> what do you say at that point? Know. Yeah. Just yeah, it's like, hey, know, hey, we're here too. I'm here, you know, um, pay attention mm -hmm. to me. And I'm like, well, I'm waiting. If you want to show yourself, that's why I'm here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was that was your reason for being there. Now, yeah. we were pretending to be the ghosts and the spirits that were in the house when I was doing the tour. But there are plenty of them without needing us to to run through and, and to reenact. We were reenacting everything from the legend of Chloe the slave to the children she murdered to someone who was killed over a poker game in the game room. All of these things. My dad was you know, the man who died on the staircase. You know, there's so many different people that that died in that house for one reason or another. Yeah. Right. And but there are so many spirits that just wander the grounds and make themselves known in ways you don't necessarily expect. One of the ways as we were rehearsing and kind of getting to know the house, we we did the shows all through the month of October. But we had to get there and, and kind of learn the house, learn our parts, understand you know all the blocking, just like any other show. We had yeah. to get to know the house. And we now it's late September. It didn't take a whole lot of rehearsals. We, we kind of knew what we were supposed to do within a, you know, a couple of weeks. Late September, and we kind of just had the run of the house as a theater company. And then just the owners who were there. At the time, it wasn't used as frequently as a bed and breakfast. And then the rooms are a little, they're, they're actually in a different part of the property. They're not, they weren't really using the rooms in the house because there's so much traffic coming through with all those tours yeah. at that time. Because all the Halloween tours, it was like a big thing and they just right. they weren't really reserving the rooms upstairs all that much. Although they do. And those are, that's really, if you can, if you can stay in those rooms, that's where you want to stay. Yeah. But we would go up and down the stairs and we're looking at stuff and, you know, and at the top of that staircase where apparently no one died, <laughs> but that's, that's the legend. It smelled often of honeysuckle. Oh. Now, late September is not when honeysuckle blooms in South Louisiana. Oops. It's We looked everywhere. We looked for any candle, any potpourri, any sachet. We didn't have the little plug-in things at the time. We, those, those weren't a thing. We could not find 
the source of the honeysuckle and it was almost so strong it would knock you down i mean it was very heavy and honeysuckle yep. in large amounts is almost nauseatingly sweet yeah and it would then it would go away we're like, well, where did that come from so even smells can be a signal yeah. of a haunting and so oh, that definitely. that was part of it now to talk about something that that we were talking about for the back side of the house this is actually between two buildings and on the right side of the picture is a covered porch and on the covered porch are three rocking chairs and when we were there we would stand under a gazebo that was a little kind of to the left of where the photographer who took this picture was standing kind of over by the the little bridge in the pond and all that and we would stand out there kind of in between tour groups just to be out of the way so that the tour groups that were kind of coming in didn't notice us at first until it was time for us to go running through the houses, the little girls who died. And we were standing out there watching, kind of waiting and listening for our turn. And as we're watching the house and kind of looking back at it, there are three rocking chairs. The center rocking chair started to rock, not the two on either side. It wasn't windy. There was nothing blowing that heavy wooden rocking chair to rock like that, but a very rhythmic rock. Needless to say, we decided our cue was coming early and we decided to run back into the house. We were like, nope, we're not. <laughs> Time to go run through the house. I don't care if they've told our story or not. We're not standing out here anymore. So we ran in. Now this, I mean, maybe this shadowy figure in the center of this picture, maybe that's who was rocking that chair. I don't know. But this shadowy picture, this, this picture is actually zoomed in fairly close on a wider picture that was taken simply for insurance purposes. The owner of the house at the time was getting their insurance all straightened out. And these two buildings are close together. And in order to get their policy straightened out as far as their fire protection goes, the insurance company needed to see how close the buildings were and get those measurements for the distance between the two of them. And when the owner is kind of just taking really, you know, just kind of snapshots around the property to try to give these to the insurance company, this shows up in one of the photographs. This picture, the shadowy figure in the center of this picture, this is known as the Chloe postcard. And you can see the pictures of this on the Myrtle's website. And Chloe was an interesting story. Again, fact or fiction, we don't really know. But in this particular shadowy figure was investigated by the folks at National Geographic and some very reputable folks who decided to take a look at it and see what they could determine. They determined that the density of being able to see through the figure, the height, the proportions. They were looking at everything from going very tight on this picture to measuring, you know, the size of the head versus the neck and the shoulders and the torso, all the way through all of this to determine that this is indeed a human figure. The proportions are indeed correct. The height and everything with the buildings would have been indicative of that spirit being kind of authentic there. So reputable people are seeing these these images that have been captured around the myrtles. And so it's not just people touching you on the shoulders or honeysuckle when it shouldn't be and rocking chairs right. that should not rock, all of these things. And that there are more and more sightings, but I feel like we need to talk about Chloe a little bit since we, we had the picture there. 
there's there's a couple of stories that kind of go around Chloe, but that's a name you're going to hear when you go to the Myrtles. So right. Chloe was a slave. And we're not exactly sure. The, the story that you tell, that the Myrtles tells, is a little different from what historically folks are kind of thinking about who Chloe might have been. The story goes, she was a slave. She actually belonged to Clark Woodruff, who owned the house at the time with his wife, Sarah. Clark being the one who supposedly died on the stairs calling out for Sarah. Again, can't back that one up. But Chloe, there's two versions of this story. One a little bit more uh, racy than the other. First story is that Chloe was afraid that she was... The children were getting older. She was not necessarily as useful to the family anymore as a house servant and caring for the children. And she was afraid that Clark and Sarah were going to send her out into the fields, which is, of course, the worst place mm-hmm. for an enslaved person to be. And so she was terrified of that. And she eavesdropped on their conversations, trying to figure out what they were going to do with her and kind of her own paranoia. Well, it is said that she was spotted eavesdropping. And so as a punishment, one of her ears was cut off. And so she wore a green turban to cover that deformity. And that was kind of her punishment for that. And so the woman in the green turban is really where all of the the legends kind of begin and why the the legend of Chloe grew. And of course, it gets racier. So that's one. (laughs) So she was afraid that she was going to be booted out of the house. And that is, you know, we're eavesdropping. The other one, gets a little sassier. It is said that Clark was actually having an affair with Chloe when Sarah was pregnant with their third child. And that Chloe being, well, jilted, I guess. So she was listening at the door and kind of all that. She got punished for that. And she was afraid that with the disfigurement and then being older, she was jilted. And to get back at Clark and the family, or to perhaps get back into his good graces. Again, two sides, same story. She bakes a birthday Mm -hmm. cake. She bakes a birthday cake and laces it with oleander. Oleander is poisonous. Her thing was, I'm going to poison the family, nurse them back to health, and be in their good graces again. And they're going to love me. They're going to realize they can't do without me. Or I'm going to poison them all. And that is, and I will exact my revenge. One way or the other, stories diverge, but that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Clark doesn't eat the cake in the legend. No. Legend has it that Sarah, the mother, eats the cake, and as do two girls. Now, again, history does not line up with this, but we love the story anyway. So Chloe doesn't know what she's doing with Oleander. Right. Thinks she's going to nurse him back to health, and, well... No, they died. All three of them. All three of them died. Oleander, huh? (laughs) I guess that's just there's not a recipe for oleander cake. (laughs) She didn't have anything to follow. No. Now the slaves on the plantation um, are not going to take the fall for Chloe. They're not going to let her run. They're not going to hide her in any way, shape, or form. Once they realize that that Chloe has indeed poisoned the wife and children, uh, they hang her. They hang her from a tree on the property and Chloe is murdered by 
stay enslaved on the, the plantation in punishment for what she did to the master's wife and children. And so Sarah and the children haunt the house and the mirror, we were talking about the mirror. Yeah. It is said that the mirror actually holds the spirit of Sarah and the two children, but they say girls, history says Sarah had a girl, a boy, and was pregnant with Octavia, who was born, grew up, lived a ripe old age, and in fact lived in the house. So history and legend, once again, not on the same page. Yeah. Now, you've seen the mirror. I've seen the mirror. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the mirror? And, and why the mirror, I guess, is kind of the, what is the, the myth of, the, leg, of the, the mirrors and why mirrors can hold spirits? Well, mirrors are typically um, used as portals. So during Victorian times, if a spirit, if somebody died in the house, the mirrors got covered so the spirits wouldn't get trapped in the, in the mirrors. So, right. so you'll see that a lot. Um, I think people around New Orleans still do that. Um, mm -hmm. I have portal mirrors. I love them. <laughs> they're, they're in my seance room. Sure. Um, but I have seen that multiple times. Like I just investigated the hotel bar and grill in Humbert, Wisconsin, and I found their source of their hauntings. Everybody thought that it was some of the furniture that was there. It's all the portal mirrors. They have so many mirrors in that place. Every room has a mirror. There's mirrors up and down every hallway. I physically what saw were they thinking? a little girl <laughs> apparition walk through the wall and right through a closed door. And I'm like, hello. I'm like in the middle of the day, you know, mm -hmm. these portal mirrors. So I bless the mirrors to calm everything down, but I can't close them all. But I mm -hmm. think that's why this mirror at the Myrtles constantly is part of the story and part of the haunting, because it doesn't matter what mirror is there. That mm -hmm. is a portal and it right. may not be the mirror itself. It could be the wall that the mirror hangs on. So there's lots of, eh, it has to really be investigated to figure that one mm -hmm. out. And I, I was in there during the day. I couldn't investigate that. So <laughs> exactly. Now I've seen the mirror and it does look like there's there's a profile that you can see. Yeah. If, you know, it's, it's all the smudgy old mirrors. I mean, you can kind of say, well, if you, like those 3d posters you know if you blur your eyes enough or look through it then you can see all this right stuff. a lot of a lot of times that's kind of what what you think however this is fairly easy to see you don't really have to look that hard yeah. to see the profile wow, and really there's the like the palm and fingertips where it looks yep. like someone is trying to is pressing through that mirror it's yep. freaky it and is when we is were there mirror. It's a very freaky mirror. They had said that they have re-silvered the mirror over and yep. over and over again. Didn't fix it. Mirrors have broken over time. They're on the third mirror, I believe. They may have gone up to another one, but the most recent uh, thing that I could find says they're on the third mirror. And the same images are coming through no matter what that mirror is. And in 1975, the owner of the house at the time, in 1975, was nearly killed by the mirror flying off the wall. And so it flew off the wall 20 feet, hit him in the head, and nearly killed him. So the mirrors themselves are definitely carrying through the different, there we go, there's Willow back. <laughs> but see, what is it with us and trying to do a show? And the spirits are like, no. 
<laughs> technology. No, not going to do it. Happens to us all the time. But the mirror flew off the wall, hit the guy in the head, nearly killed him in 1975. So there's definitely something with the mirrors. Now, Chloe, we know, is not necessarily as true as we would think. You know, that whole legend, not necessarily. However, the woman with the green... I can't hear you. You can't hear me. Go back out and come back in. I can hear you. So pop out and come back. I'll let you back in. So while we're waiting on Willow to come back in, let me tell you a little bit about the woman in the green turban. The woman in the green turban may or may not be Chloe. The woman in the green turban appeared apparently to one of the owners who did a little digging, a little investigating, asking some questions of people around about things that were going on with the house. Hey, does it work? There you are. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Now. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> so the woman who owned the house is digging like, you know, who anybody know anything about a woman in a green turban? So she didn't really get specific with the neighbors about what she had seen, but the questions let us know that she had seen the woman in the green turban. Now, there's something interesting about that story. Chloe doesn't make any sense. We know that it doesn't make any sense because Sarah died of yellow fever. She had a boy and a girl, not two girls. They died young of yellow fever as well, but at all three different times. And Octavia survived, grew up, certainly did not die while her mother was pregnant with her because she lived on and on. However, after Sarah's death, it is said that the owner of the house hired a French tutor, a French governess, who wore a green turban. Ah. And she had come from a very bad situation before where she had had both of her ears cut off and wore the turban pushed way down on her head to hide the disfigurement. And so she also lost a child very young. And the legend is, and, and probably a more genuine story to go with the woman in the green turban that you see, is that she is still looking for the child she lost because she's most commonly seen up in the bedrooms peering down at the sleeping guests. They'll wake up and they'll see the woman with a candle in her hand peering down at them until, and you know, people scream, shriek. She stands there until people try to touch her and she vanishes. So it's said that she's looking for her child that she lost. She never did yeah. reconnect with the child. And so the yeah. unfinished business that she has is the child that she lost, but her death was at the Myrtles. So she's held to the house, even though the child wouldn't be there, but she's continuing to search. Wow. So that actually makes more sense. And the, the, the truth, the history that backs it up makes it almost a sad story. Not this murderous <laughs> slave that, you know, with the Oleander birthday cake. That's a fun story to tell. Yeah. But how sad for the, the true story behind the woman in the green turban. So I I gotta say, some of the stories that were the truth are better. I don't know yeah. why you're telling the other stories. That's a better story. It is. I like it better. I don't I don't remember seeing any oleander bushes there. <laughs> I think about it. I used to grow that in Tucson. He ripped them all. But you know, I used to have lots of oleander. I didn't poison anybody with it. She didn't bake with it. Nope. <laughs> no, no bakers, no nothing. <laughs> no. Now, you and I are not the only ones who have had strange experiences at the Myrtles. 
the strange experiences have happened throughout time and honestly started really early on just some of just the land itself and some just must yeah. have been holding something is this house was built pre-1800 and yeah. it was a different plantation and then when it was renovated by the second owners it was given the name the, the myrtles which we know it as today the house was like the, they built the big porches onto it, raised the ceilings a foot on each floor and did some pretty extensive renovations to create the home that is now standing there. But it has been haunted all along. So something about where it is, is, is holding on to sure. spirits. And it, you know, maybe it is some sort of spiritual vortex or something. I mean, mm -hmm. that, geographically, who knows? Yeah. And yeah. those things happen. Well, I felt things on the whole property. So it wasn't just limited, I think, to the house. I mm -hmm. felt things out, all those extra buildings they've brought in that were like the slave quarters and things for you to look at. They all felt like that. You know, it's like mm -hmm. I felt there was lots of activity and energy on that whole property. And that makes sense with some of the, the other stories that were told. There was a man who lived on a back part of the property in a home in a little house back there, an overseer or someone, who was robbed and killed in a robbery. Uh, and supposedly he haunts the, the, the property itself, but he was not someone killed in the house or died no. in the house, but he right. was on the property. And yeah. so, you know, he is, his spirit is apparently there. Um, People will say that they hear, they see shadows of soldiers hanging in the front trees, you know, from the Civil War. There's no documentation of whether or not soldiers right. were hung in the front trees. However, soldiers did loot the house. Union soldiers did loot the house. And, I mean, they yeah. robbed them blind, took everything they had. But did they hang in the trees? I don't know. We don't really know. We don't know that Chloe ever hung in a tree because there's actually no record of a Chloe ever existing right the slave records i mean people kept really detailed records of that, that yeah was they property. did it was that property. was their wealth and so yeah. they, they had very detailed records of that and unless she simply had another name and yet there is no chloe in the records right but I, again i go back to the story of the woman in the green turban who lost the child i like that story better anyway yeah i do too but people still see things there was a film crew that was there that was filming a mini series and they moved all the furniture out of one of the sitting rooms, one of the parlors, because they were going to use that room. They'd been filming all over the house. The crew and the and the cast were like, don't like it here. <laughs> don't like it here. It feels really, really weird. Don't yeah. like it here. But they cleared the room. And, you know, they, they did some of the stuff that they were going to be doing there, moved all the furniture out, all the, the rug, everything got moved out. And then, the, you know, they, they took breaks for a while and they kind of all left and went away and did something else for a while and came back and all the furniture is back in place. That happened three times. <laughs> three times. Wow. This is a Hollywood film crew that was happy to leave. <laughs> they were done filming. Employees that work there leave that <laughs> walk off the job because they have seen something there was a man at one time whose job was to kind of greet the visitors at the gate give them directions kind of check people in get them parking the right whatever a woman in a white victorian dress walks through the gate up the front walk up the front stairs and right through not opening but through the front door vanished 
he just walked away, <laughs> just <laughs> left. It was like, nope, peace out. <laughs> and the man walked off the job, never would come back. Things like that keep happening. And you just don't have people respond the way that they do to this house if there was nothing going on, if this is all just right. legends made up for publicity. I mean, this would be one hell of a marketing plan if oh, that was yeah. the case. Hundreds of years of marketing plan in yep. place. But one of the things I really like the best, and this was something I, I don't think you had seen this picture until I showed it to you before the show, was actually, this is on the Myrtle's website. You can go and check it out yourself and kind of a little bit more about it. There were some photographs that were taken during a field trip to the Myrtle's. It's a teacher that was taking pictures in front of the house with some of her students. So it's a teacher in a photograph with a student. Their faces have been blurred out. That's the rocking chairs. Remember those? <laughs> that tend to rock on their own. There's one of the rocking chairs. You can see the one in the middle. That's actually the one that was rocking. You zoom in a little closer. It looks like a lovely picture. Teacher, kid. Teacher, kid. Kid? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and she's looking straight at the camera in her cute little dress. Just like, hello. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing out there? Just curious. I mean, clearly not doing much of anything. This photograph has been widely investigated because that's the first thing you want to do. I mean, the first thing you want to do in any paranormal investigation is debunk what you can. Right. So that what is left is the good stuff. Yeah. Folks have been trying to debunk this photograph all over the world and they can't, they haven't done it yet. And so it's still out there, still being circulated mm -hmm. by photography experts. They know the kind of camera that took it. People have seen the original file. They have looked at it pixel by pixel, trying to find any evidence of editing of that picture, and they cannot. They cannot. So the verdict is still out, but as of right now, it has not been dubbed a fraud. That's it is crazy. genuine, as far as anyone can tell at this moment. And you can see some more of the quotes and some more about that investigation on the Myrtle's website as well. So cool stuff at yeah. the plantation. Oh, and it's yeah. it's the grounds too. Now, I was there mostly at night, but we did do some some rehearsals and things during the day. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful for it such is. a haunted place. Yeah. It's stunning. I yeah. mean, vampires are not, you gotta enjoy walking around that place, right? Oh yeah. Back then I, I had my own uh, YouTube channel called Willow's Witchy World. So I did a video so you, you could actually I see saw it. that. Yeah, I think now it's out. I, well, it's still on my channel, but I changed the name to Willow's Witchy Garden. But if you go back in some of those old videos that I did back in 2019, you'll see that one. And it's the vampires, you know, <laughs> invade the Myrtles plantation. And, it. But it was such a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like the perfect place if you wanted to get married on the grounds, there's flowers and the gazebo oh, yeah. and the little bridge going over the water. So it's pretty. Just it's just beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, and of course all the Spanish moss in the trees and, you know, it's just yes. the epitome of 
gone with the wind. <laughs> it really is. It, it is really is. Yeah. Stunning. Gorgeous. The gardens are beautiful. And honestly, yeah. St. Francisville, Louisiana is a beautiful place. Yeah. There are seven plantation homes there. There's Afton Villa Gardens, which is the plantation garden still remains, even though the home itself burned down. There's so much to really see. It's a great trip to take. Uh, Rose down. Gorgeous. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many beautiful homes to go and see. And it's one of those places that you just kind of get lost in the feeling of it all. It's, it's almost peaceful, even though the Myrtles is creepy. There's a piece to that because it, you're just surrounded by such natural yeah. beauty. Yeah. That I, maybe that's why it's so easy to connect with the spirits there and why you kind yeah. of are opening yourself up because there's just such genuine beauty around you, whether it's yeah. the gorgeous home inside or just the gardens that are outside. And yeah. just the landscape itself is stunning. It really oh, is. Yeah. And there's a really, really nice restaurant on the property, too. Yeah, I was so. just going to mention that. Yeah, I, I didn't get to eat there. But because I think it was closed the day or they had just closed. We got there at their last tour of the day, mm. you know, and unfortunately. And I was and all the vampires that were there are all paranormal investigators, too. <laughs> and a vampire paranormal As you do. As you do. And um, <laughs> We really were talking about coming back there and like renting rooms mm -hmm. to do a nighttime investigation because how fun would that be? That would be perfect. Yes. So yeah, who knows? I'm moving now, but it doesn't mean I can't come back and visit. I'll just come, come back, back and visit. Tourist. <laughs> That's right. Come back and visit. We'll meet in St. Francisville. We'll hang there out and we'll, we'll go see what all we can find at the Myrtles. It's been many, 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 many years since I have been there. Yeah. And it's one of those places that is just burned in my memory. I mean, from spending so much time on the property, having such strange things happen at such a young age. And I honestly, I give a whole lot of credit to the Myrtles in that experience for really kind of opening me up a whole lot to that type of thing. Yeah. Because if I had not experienced that myself, everything that we did when we were there and on just the feelings and other people's stories as they were going through the house, other actors who were there telling us kind of their, their weird things that were happening mm -hmm. to them. If I hadn't been part of that and, and been there, it, it would be very easy to go, yeah, those are some good stories. But being in it, it's like, wow, wait a minute. There's a whole lot more of this to explore. And it yeah. really did kind of stir that up in me. I mean, I've always been interested in, you know, the Salem witch trials and just the mm -hmm. history of all of these things. But being at the Myrtles yeah. was that kind of awakening time. It was like, whoa, I'm not making this up. I know what I saw. I know that I should not be smelling honeysuckle like it's going to knock me over in September. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. this is not okay. And as a teenager, you know teenagers are sarcastic teenagers want to say everything is stupid <laughs> you know nope this teenager was convinced and right yeah still to this day I would love to go back and see if you know over time being more and more open to that having more and more experiences like this what would my experience be as an adult returning yeah. to the Myrtles again to have that that same would it be the same Would I experience something different I'd never stayed there overnight and I wanted to I know. So I would too. love to do that. I would yeah. absolutely love to do that. Maybe next so, year we can plan maybe. a trip. I know we're going to have to really think about this and, and get a plan down. And I know you've got a whole lot coming up on, on your plate coming up soonly, but I do want to have you back on to talk to me about the vampire ball. 
okay. and vampire culture. Cause I, yeah. I think that that's something lots of folks I know are interested in that. And you have got lots of experience with all of <laughs> yeah. that and stories to tell. And yeah. they're some of my favorite stories. I mean, I've, I've had the honor of having my name and my work compared and put in the same place with Anne Rice on three separate occasions. That's awesome. And I have to say, they could give me all the awards in the world. And I don't know that anything would compare to that, <laughs> being put yeah. in the same sentence as Anne Rice. Because she and the, the Vampire Chronicles, all of those things that, that she created, gosh, they, they, they were just, those were my books. I mean, I loved yeah. all of that. The Mummy and... Ah, uh, they're so good. Yep. So that is very important to me as well. I would love to talk to you about that just from a my side as as a literature side of things. And then you actually getting to experience the Endless Night Ball, which is just super cool. Yep. I'm, a, I'm jealous of that experience, frankly. But I have to, I have to admit I, that. You know, just a little tidbit. One night I was sitting out in Jackson Square. And this movie crew walks up to me and asks me if I would mind doing a palm reading for one of their actors. And I had no clue what this, what this show was. Come to find out, it was the originals. And I was doing a palm reading for Klaus. Shut up! I held his hand, lady. <laughs> Shut up! How did I not know this story? Yeah, it was like... I don't even know what show that is. Whatever. I do this stuff all the time. Pay oh me for that God. palm reading. Okay, let's go on. Yeah, that was my night. And I didn't know until like weeks later <laughs> who it was. <laughs> but, you know, I read for famous people all the time. And I just right. go, okay, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> You're That's just another crazy. client to me. You know, I don't. I don't fangirl over people. It's just when you live here, it's like yeah. there's so many actors mm -hmm. that live here or film here. This is what they call South Hollywood. So it's right. like, okay. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I did a palm reading for Klaus. Klaus. <laughs> Klaus. Not some rando extra vampire. Klaus. No, the main guy. Sweet. Yeah. Main That's guy. He nuts. wasn't now, my favorite. It wasn't my favorite of the show, but it was cool. That's <laughs> wild. That is wild. I mean, you and I would have to have a serious talk if it had been the Vampire Diaries and Ian Summerhalder had sat and down. I and know, had done right? If it had been Damon, yeah. he's still my heart. Then I would have been like, oh my God. But no, it was Klaus. It's Klaus. It's, it's Klaus. It's Klaus. <laughs> Klaus. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're <laughs> going to talk more about that and more about vampire culture coming up on a future show. Um, we will touch base on that. Um, I am going to tour the Lotes house in Franklin on Saturday night with my mom. So I'm going to take lots of pictures and I'll probably be back to tell you guys about that next week because the Lotes house has been named by Travel Channel as the second most terrifying house in the United States. And it is right here in itty bitty, super conservative. We keep our ghost stories in nice, neat little confines of our ghost tours, Franklin, Tennessee. So I'm excited about going to explore the Lokes house this weekend. So we'll be back with that. And we'll be back with Willow on another show because she's my buddy and I'm not going <laughs> to let her get too far away for very long. <laughs> and I'm so, jealous. Yes. <laughs> I want to go. I know. Well, you're going to have to come and visit and we're going to go explore all of the haunted places around here because surprise, surprise, 
this was a major, major center of a lot of hauntings. It had to do a lot with the Battle of Franklin, which was oh, known yeah. as the five bloodiest hours of the Civil oh. War. Oh, wow. And lots and lots of really interesting stories that have kind of not made it into the major forefront of our history, but they're there. So that's some fun things to explore. So come and visit and I'll take you around my haunted town like you have taken me around cool. haunted New Orleans. And I'll be uh, closer. That's right. It'll be easier for you to get here. <laughs> yeah. oh, look at us making travel plans on Dead Folks Tales. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the story of the Myrtles Plantation from St. Francisville, Louisiana. As always, thank you so much to my guest, Willow Lamechant. Check her website out so that you can see all the services she provides and just how super cool she truly is. <laughs> and hey, dig up the vampire video <laughs> and watch that Willow's too. Willow's Witchy Garden now, but it was Willow's Witchy World. You'll see the I vampire video. It's there for you. Go check it out. And in the meantime, we will see you next week on Dead Folks Tales. Thanks so much for joining us. Dead Folks Tales is a copywritten podcast of authors on the air, Global Radio Network. Special thanks to producer Roman Serratin and executive producer Pam Stack. Join us next week for another episode of Dead Folks Tales. Oh,